and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Hi moms, thanks for joining. I have an incredible returning guest for us today. His name is Aaron Washburn, and you may recognize him from a previous episode of Two Moms to Love, episode 20, called Emotional Regulation and Love. I knew after our conversation that I just really needed to have Aaron back to talk with us some more. I feel like every time I talk with him, it's like a hug from the inside. I think you're really going to love listening to Aaron as well. But first, the mission of To Mom is to Love is to support, encourage, and empower each other as imperfect moms to love as a verb. Join us and subscribe, share, and follow. Welcome to our community. A bit about Erin Washburn before we get started. Erin teaches emotional regulation, grounding techniques, and helps us understand the mind and body connection. He focuses on nurses to honor his beautiful mother who was a nurse. He's also broadening his scope as well as I really feel like even if you're not in the healthcare field, I think you're going to find what Erin speaks about so applicable for motherhood and beyond. Welcome, Aaron. I am so excited to have you with us today. Hey, thank you, Valerie. That was a beautiful introduction right there. You got me tearing up. With my mom, as you mentioned in there, being able to honor her with the work that I'm doing, it started out with my mom. And, um, I, you know, I didn't really realize that until three years ago. Um, but with my mom, she was she was a nurse. She grew up... or. Um, She's been working as a nurse for a long time. And when I was growing up, I would see her <clears throat> always coming home um, from her shifts and she would always look very stressed. And um, it, it's it's been a beautiful past couple of days because I've been really reflecting back on um, how my mom was every time she came home from the shifts. And I started to realize that every time she did come back home, she never really had much energy left to hang out or um, just be present with us as kids. So every time she came home, she would always just go straight to bed. And if not, when she was with us, she would watch a movie, but fall asleep and all that. So there's just these times where you can tell that her body was deteriorating in a way and her mind too, because every time she came home, she never really had an outlet to express herself. And um, unfortunately, that time as well, um, I just remember the relationship with my dad wasn't the best as well. So she would want to go back to work adding more stress so she has stress at home and stress at work um so there was this one day where i came back home from high school and my parents called me to the back of the room and it was just a weird setting and when i went back to the room my dad was to the left of me and my mom was in front of me and she asked me or they didn't ask me anything but my my dad was looking at me and um, he was taking some time to say something. And when he did, he finally was able to say out loud, hey, your mom has been diagnosed with lung cancer. And when he told me that, 
I didn't know what it meant at that time, but I can feel what it felt, and it did not feel good. And it felt like death left his mouth. And um, in that moment, and after that moment, I just started seeing my mom go through the three stages of lung cancer. And when she was going through the three stages of lung cancer, there's this one night before the significant event where um, you could just, on her whole left side, she was completely numb. And she just gave us, each one of us, my brother, myself, and my dad, one last hug. I didn't know it was her last hug, but I felt it, and I, I believed it was just the way she was giving us that last hug. The following day, my dad was taking a look at her, and it just looked like the oxygen tank was keeping her alive. And he finally decided to finally pull the plug. I didn't realize this until three years ago. I don't know if I said this the last podcast, but this um, three years ago, I found out that my dad asked me to pull her plug. So I, um, I'm starting to remember, bring those memories back up of me actually pulling her plug. And then I sat at the end of her bed and I saw her take her last breath. And um, it's very, very interesting looking back on it now because I did feel like a presence just leave the room and it felt like her spirit. So after that passing, after her passing in 2012, for eight years, I was just in this state of depression. I was trying to go back to um, to old things like working out to try to feel better. I would take naps to try to feel better when I was depressed and nothing was working anymore. And during and in this moment, there's this new moment where um, I stood still. I heard this voice that said, stay still. And this, this actually went back to this quote that I'm, that I'm thinking of right now is Albert Einstein once said, um, you cannot solve the same problems with the same level of thinking that created them. So in this moment, usually when I was in a state of depression, I would try to work out to feel better. I tried to nap to feel better, all of that, but it wasn't working anymore. So this time I stayed still, closed my eyes, and I had this, this wave of emotion just take over my body. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. What is this? What is this? And all the depressed emotions that I was depressing started to come out and just flood my body. And there's a strong figure that was tightening my heart up, tightening my throat up. And um, I had this very profound memory of, of seeing my 17-year-old self, seeing my mom pass away again. And um, this time I was, I had this inclination to walk up to that 17-year-old version of myself. And so I did, watching my 17-year-old self watch my mom pass away and take her last breath again. And I looked into his eyes as I walked up, and he felt scared, lonely, confused, not sure what's going on. And I just wanted to give him a hug. So I gave him a hug, and I said, you are allowed to feel scared. You are allowed to feel lonely in my body. You are allowed to feel confused and sad about our mom passing away. And I just held space for everything that was coming. I was finally able to cry, and I was just crying. I was crying and crying. And after I held space for at least 90 seconds, I placed my hands on his shoulders, my 17-year-old self, and I looked into his eyes, and now he felt more compassion. He felt heard, seen, and loved, where then it's like I gave him another hug, and then he just went inside my heart, and I, and then we just merged. And um, after that moment, I realized that I just overcame depression. And, and then... I was high off of life again. When I was high off of life, a couple days or weeks after I got hit with all these emotions, like these roller coasters of emotions, and then I started applying that same process that I did in that memory with my mom. 
And I, and I found out now, like a week ago, why that was happening. I thought I was done feeling my emotions. I thought I was done with all that. Um, but what happened was I started to learn the process that I did on myself to teach others to do the same thing. And it's so profound because then I started learning about hypnosis. I started learning about body language and I paired those two, two, two up together where I'm using the body as a unit to make fast transformative changes. Sorry, that was a long story, but I had to uh, really share that in there. So that's, that's the background and how I got into this. Thank you so much for sharing that, Aaron. I mean, that's absolutely beautiful. And I, I felt everything that you were saying, the way you describe your emotions as feelings, I think is so powerful. And I don't know. Like, and I don't know how to talk to my inner child like that, to be honest, Erin. I don't. I don't. And so I'm. I'm so proud that you were able to get to that point. And how would you like encourage me and our listeners? Like, I feel like we. It's, it's becoming more common this concept of an inner child, but being the parent of your inner child. Like, I think I still have so much shame with it, even though logically I know I shouldn't but there's still so much walls I think built up where I haven't become one. I love how you said that. Yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful insight right there. And such great, uh, a great question because a lot of people experience that where they don't really know how to feel their feelings anymore and really haven't been properly taught on how to feel their feelings. So this was the, the question that is always, uh, brought up to me lately about, okay, how can I have that inner child conversation and have a conversation with my inner child? How can, how can I get to that point if I have walls built up and if I have resistance built up? Because uh, there's a couple of times when I do have, have calls with a client and a memory pops up and this is a sequence of events that happens as they feel triggered, they identify where they feel it in their body, and then your subconscious will bring up a certain memory associated to that feeling in your body. And then I ask them, okay, do you see that past version of, your, of yourself? And they say, yes. So I'm like, okay, is it okay if we walk up to that version of yourself? They're like, yes. So I had her walk up to that version of herself and ask, how do their eyes look and feel? She says, sad, lonely, and um, really angry too. And I take what she says to me and I just have her say out loud, I give you, as if she's talking to that version of herself, just looking through her eyes right now and just say this out loud, I give you permission to feel sad, I give you permission to feel lonely, I give you permission to feel angry. And as you say that, just look at that version of yourself actually expressing the sadness or the anger, see her like yell or whatever way that they want to express that anger that you couldn't during that time. And then there are some points where, is it okay if we give, give them a hug now? And they say um, they are resistant to it, to the hug. I'm like, oh, okay. So how about you say this? I give you permission to surrender and feel the resistance from my hug and it's okay. And she said that to that version of herself and then the walls came down. So again, if there's like any negative emotions that come up, where you want to attend to yourself, then we just use what they're giving us and just hold space for each one. So if, if there's walls, we hold space for walls. If there's resistance, we hold space for resistance because um, that's 
that may that might not be like a definition of a feeling that you're feeling but that's the information that's given to us from our nervous system and from our past version of ourselves so if we're feeling walls i'm going to use that same language that i'm feeling so if it's walls i give myself permission to surrender into my walls and it's okay or i surrender into my resistance and it's okay or i give myself permission to feel resistance in my body and it's okay so it's always um, as within, so without. So if we just hold space for each negative emotions without seeing it as a negative emotion, we're holding space for it. And when you hold space for it, it, it has to go away. Chemically, it only lasts 90 seconds, but it has to go away. And oftentimes when we feel like there's very powerful feelings that are coming up, we want to run away from it, not realizing if we just hold space for it, it'll it'll go away and then later on you don't have to deal with that feeling 10 years down the road and unfortunately my mom was holding on to a lot of grudges and a, and a lot of resentment towards her family and she waited to the last day on her deathbed to be able to express forgiveness so well, uh, we give it we're given these chances and another thing i want to say towards the inner child and and um, these walls that are coming up is what really helps is realizing that anytime we have a trigger um, some people don't know why that triggers there, but anytime we have a trigger, that triggers there because there's a past version of yourself that just wants to be seen, heard, and loved. Those are the reasons why the triggers are here. So anytime we have a strong trigger, there's going to be a moat or a, a memory that pops up where you get to be the parent to that child that that child needed during that time. And sometimes we just need to um, give that version of ourselves some time and maybe just say, it's okay to feel resistance in my body. I'm here when, when you're ready to feel. Um, and it's so interesting to be able to talk to that. It's like when we close our eyes, it's interesting to be able to talk to ourselves that way. Because oftentimes when I'm asking a client, like, um, is there any reason why we need to continue feeling sad, as an example? And they, they say, no, but a part, a part of me feels like I need to. Anytime that they say parts of them, that's a different personality that they're talking about, which is just that past version of themselves speaking and giving me that answer right there. That's incredible. I love the way you explain that and the surrendering and giving space for all of that. I think so much we resist it, or I at least know I have in the past, where it's so uncomfortable. Since we're on a podcast with moms here, we have children. And if our children run up to us and they're crying and they're just expressing in very strong emotions... Imagine turning your back on your kids every time that they're trying to express their emotions, especially the strong ones. If you do that enough times where you keep turning your back on your children so much that they're going to come to you a lot less. They're going to have, they're not going to have so much trust with you to be able to hold space for what they're feeling. And essentially, when your children do run up to you and they're crying, your first response is to give them a hug and see them, hear them, and love them. We don't do that for ourselves. So now anytime that we have strong emotions coming up, you can see it as if it's a smaller version, a, a child version of you that just wants to be seen, heard, and loved. So that's always been helpful to me able to explain it that way because if we continue turning our back on ourselves, we're going to lose trust with ourselves. And that's when the walls start to come up because... Um, you're starting to feel my feelings now. It's been forever since you felt my feelings. Is like um, the dialogue that your inner child would have um, with you 
So it's just like, okay, so now we're feeling our feelings. So I forgive how I've been feeling. And um, I feel I forgive how I've not been feeling has been very helpful for that anytime walls come up. So if that's very hard to do and just surrender into those feelings, number one, just the idea alone of just imagining as if it's your child really helps because that first response is to be able to give that version of ourselves a hug. And number two, since these emotions are so strong, instead of distracting ourselves and redirecting our mind to another physical sense in our body, like if we hold an ice cube, it's like that version of ourselves is waiting for us to feel, feel them and see them. And then we hold an ice cube and it's just another version in um, another, uh, let me see another word for that, but it's just another version of distracting ourselves from feeling that part because it might be too strong for us. So instead, what we can do is we can place our hand wherever we feel the tightness in our body where the emotion mm. is coming up. So when we're feeling triggered and it's a strong emotion, okay, where do I feel that at in my body? And then we place our hand somewhere on our body and we can just say, just say these simple words, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. And just keep saying it until it goes away. And oftentimes it'll go away, and if not, it'll transfer somewhere else in your body. Do the same thing. You can put it on your neck if it moves up to your neck. Because it's energy in motion. Emotions are energy in motion. So when you're placing your hand there somewhere in your body, you're in your present moment. Because that's where emotions show up, is in your body. <clears throat> so now you're not trying to think of why you feel this way. Now you're just feeling of why you mm. feel this way. That makes sense. That one just came out. And then you would just place your hand where you feel that in your body. I see you, I hear you, and I love you. So now you don't have to identify what you're actually feeling. You're just placing your hand there. I see you, I hear you, and I love you. Place your hand somewhere else in your body where you feel it. I see you, I hear you, and I love you. And that practice alone will start allowing you to just at least start feeling the feelings in your body versus... Um, trying to distract yourself and in some cases like running is really good and if you're holding the ice cube that's really good in some moments as well um, because you're expressing especially with running you're expressing those emotions it's like you're using your body to express it however the mind sometimes holds on to those memories that continues bringing up those triggers in your body so if we don't fix those or if we don't love through those memories in our mind then the triggers will keep coming back up so my goal is to always get to the cause. And there's this powerful quote that I've always loved is, it is not our past experiences that made us who we are today. It is how we recorded our past experiences that made us who we are today. So every time we're feeling triggered from a from a, an event that keeps happening and that pattern keeps coming up, there's going to be a memory attached to that. And then again, you can go through those through that process of being the parent to that child that that child needed during that time. And when you do, you re-record that memory. So now that that same event that happens again, you're not going to be as reactive or triggered because you re-recorded that memory. When you re-record that memory, your personality changes and then your person reality changes. It's like you get a whole new nervous system. The more I've been researching this, because um, my background is not psychiatry or psychology, I think I ever really was taught that or told that like all the, the feelings aspects, like you're saying. And I wish that as healthcare providers, we had more time to do these type of things with our patients. Cause I think it makes such a difference. 
And that's just kind of a tangent that I'm saying with that, because absolutely with your inner child and all of that, that's makes sense. And it just, if the world could do this more, I think it's just, it would be just, you know, the power that could come from all of it. If we all kind of recognize this and held our own inner child and, you know, held each other's, I think, you know, sometimes we forget that adults are essentially just inner children running around, (laughs) you know, and like we're triggered. We're either, someone had said, and I don't remember who it was. I wish I could remember their name, but they said, um, you're either wanting to seek, you're doing, your action is because you want, you're seeking love, um, like you want to be loved or you're upset that you aren't loved. And yeah, I was like, oh, wow, that's, yeah. And, um, as you were talking, it reminded me, um, I don't remember what number this episode was, but it was with Dwight Hurst. He's a psychotherapist. And um, uh, I think the episode is called um, Psychotherapy and the Simpsons or something like that. But he was um, an interesting episode, a great guy. And he just had so much information. And I asked him about EMDR. And Aaron, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. And I started that recently. So I wanted to ask him about it. And he has on his own podcast, um, uh, The Broken Brain, he um, talks about or he has uh, interviews, someone who's an expert in that. And um, I find it interesting because a lot of it's kind of dealing with the body sensations like you're talking about. Um, and I started doing it a little bit just here and there because I, you know, like I'll see my counselor too, just to help with anxiety and, you know, just life. I feel like it's okay to say, oh, I see a counselor because everyone, you know, like I just wish we could kind of decrease that stigma of mental health. You know, like it's okay. It's okay to talk to someone. Um, but anyway, I remember when we were preparing for EMDR, like for the session, she wanted me to think of those feelings. And it depended on what memory I had to think about, but I thought it was interesting that my feelings would feel different in my body depending on what the memory was. So I had some memories that like I felt that freeze response. So it kind of went back to that fight, flight, or freeze. I had somewhere I felt in my body a freeze, like my legs froze up, my arms froze up, and I felt very much like a deer in the headlights. So like you're saying, if I put, you know, my hand on like, for example, my frozen up leg, like, and kind of, you know, repeat those words of you're seen, heard, and loved, I could see how that could be helpful. And then if I thought about other memories, I had more of the fight response where that was more in like my arms and just annoyed, like more in my, I think my eyes, like an angry kind of, I felt in my face. So maybe putting my hand on my forehead, I'm just kind of thinking is how you're, how you're talking about it, how that could be applicable, which again, I just wish we <laughs> could talk more about this in schools and and everywhere. But it all starts it all starts somewhere. And Erin, I'm glad that you're you're doing that and that you're educating your clients on this. And I didn't include this. I I usually send my guests like a little outline just to talk about like just you know general talking points. And Erin, I didn't include this, but I just how did you learn all of this information? I mean, like I I just find like everything you say is just incredible, and like I feel like you have a gift. Yeah, it just it just um, like I mentioned when 
when I sat there and I stayed still and mm-hmm. I saw that memory of myself watching my mom pass away, the in, the inclinations of what I had to do in that moment just came to me. And then after that, like I said, I was high off of life for a little bit. I wasn't dealing with any emotions. And then all of a sudden, it was just waves of emotions. And when those waves of emotions kept coming back up, it was like I was given those emotions um, to start learning them what I've did, what I've done to myself um, in that process I did when I was having that memory with my mom. And over time, as I was learning that um, through experience, because I had a lot of past stuff, most, I, I try to stay away from the word of trial, but I have a lot of past experiences that no longer serve me, keep coming up. And then I was just so inclined to start studying the mind um, and hypnosis just came to mind, came to mind. And I started learning about the subconscious, learning about the subconscious, how powerful it is. And I, I started reading this book, The Power of Your Subconscious by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And I, I learned everything in there. And then at the same time, too, I was learning about body language translations um, from a guy named Brian Johnson. And his body language translations coach was Robert Tennyson Stevens. And he created this book called My Word Made Flesh. A lot of people have became distanced from conscious language. Inside the English language, there's a lot of unconscious language there. For example, if someone says, like, oh, I have to deal with this right now. Oh, no, I'll just I'll just worry about that later. Why would you want to worry about it later when you're going to deal with it? So we got to use conscious language like, I'll just take care of that later. I'll care for that later. Um, and when I started learning about the body language translations, there's static and dynamic body language, static being like any stored emotions because feelings buried alive never die. So stored emotions um, is emotions that aren't in motion. Emotions is energy and emotion. So if you're not feeling your feelings, it's going to be stored energy somewhere in your body. And that becomes stagnant and it's it's static because it's just there vibrating. Emotions have a vibrational um, uh, a signature to it. So if you're not feeling your feelings and transmuting that in your body, then it's going to go from at ease to dis-ease. Um, and then I started learning about dynamic body language where you can um, bring those emotion, bring those stuck energy into energy and motion and it starts to become dynamic in the body or it moves from your chest to your shoulders to your to your um to your throat anywhere else in your body so comparing those two together i was able to connect mind and body together as a unit because our body is like a dashboard in the car letting us know what's going on underneath the hood and studying it from someone that's been doing it for 30 years and then his other coach has been doing it for years over 30 years i haven't seen any um any what's the right word every time i see someone expressing um or not expressing their sadness, they always say that their throat is tightening up. Anyone that has fear and anxiety, they always say their chest is tightening up or their stomach is tightening up. Anybody that has a lot of burdens, their shoulders are tightening up. They're carrying the worlds on their shoulders. So subconscious takes everything literally where I should have done that, I should have done that. If you take the word shoulders and take out the L-E-R, mm-hmm. it should. I should have done that, I should have done that. So um, that's what I've been studying is the, the subconscious mind from hypnosis and a neuro-linguistic program and our language patterns that matches up with our movement of our body all has a translation to it. And then body language translations, being able to identify what we're feeling in our body, giving it a word if we need to, or just giving it a color if we need to, and then using the mind and body together to create that, <laughs> that transformation. 
Now, Erin, you had mentioned hypnosis. What exactly is hypnosis? Can you tell us more about that? Yes. <clears throat> so let's say um, you're feeling triggered and a memory comes up in your mind's eye. When that memory comes up in your mind's eye, you're seeing the world through the lens of that eight-year-old self. So you're talking about earlier in the show um, about how we're just growing up adults, still children inside of us. And those past versions of ourself, um, whenever we're feeling triggered, we can only see reality through the perception and the lens through that version of ourselves. So what hypnosis is, is a state of trance. So any emotional state that you're in, you're in trance. We're in trance right now in an emotional state. So um, you're triggered, you're thinking about a past memory, that's in trance because our mind can't tell the difference between our future, it's just our imagination, and our past, it's just our memory. So when you access that memory in your past memory, you're actually living in that memory right now. So let's say I'm talking to you right now and you keep thinking about your shift. You're in trance, you're, in, you're at work right now. You're not fully present in our conversation. Whenever someone's just talking or talking to somebody and they're thinking about something else, that's what trance is. So hypnosis puts you into a trance, and it's just a heightened sense of focus, a heightened sense of focus to where you're really focused on something so much that everything around you starts to be quiet. Like um, there's no sounds. Your sounds are just everything's just heightened sensitivity right there. And what you can do um, um, in these brain waves is when you use hypnosis or um, when you're inducing someone into a hypnotic state, you enter these different brainwave states. So you go from the, there's beta, then there's alpha, and then there's theta. Theta is where you can create a lot of neuroplasticity, which it makes it easier for change. So in the hypnotic state, um, that starts to happen, and you get to add some suggestions in there that better serve somebody, that it, and when it benefits them, they accept it and it better serves them. And when they accept that suggestion, like um, with, every, with every beat of your heart, you're gonna feel stronger and stronger. With every breath that you take in, you're gonna feel more connected with yourself. Inside of a theta state, it makes it easier for them to accept that suggestion, so that way, after this, um, the session, every breath that you take in, your subconscious took that, now you gave that direction to your subconscious, so hey, okay, so every breath I take in, the more connected I feel with this with myself so hypnosis is the heightened state of focus and it's just in different emotional states we're in a different trance hmm. that's very interesting um it makes me think of two things that one we were joking earlier about when we were talking Aaron you were saying all sorts of just beautiful information. And my kids were playing an Irish flute in the background and I'm trying to be in the moment. And I'm like, but my brain's like, there is a flute playing in this background that I have to get to. And so almost like, I guess in a sense, hypnosis is kind of channeling that and, you know, yes. focusing, like putting that in the background and being in the moment also, it makes me think, I feel like, I don't know if everyone has, but I know for sure for me, I have, there's certain things that I lose time with that I'm doing. Like for me, I love going into historical homes. I don't know. I'm sure that's not many other people <laughs> that like that, but I do. And time ceases to exist. And my, all of that is like, it just 
I don't know, love it so much and probably a little maybe on the spectrum with it a little bit too much. But I think other people like my husband, for example, loves cars. Um, and there's things that we love. Is that kind of similar when you're in something where time ceases to exist? Is that yeah, similar? That's, that's called time distortion mm. right there. So anybody that's listening to this audio that didn't hear that flute, that's called negative hallucinations. And that's like a, um, whenever you get so deep into a conversation, you can't hear anything around you. And you've had moments like that. Mm. Here's a great example. When you're watching a movie and you hear like um, your loved one calling your name like four times and you don't hear it because you're so indulged in that movie, <clears throat> you're in a trance. Mm. All movies that you watch is in a trance. The best hypnotists in the world are the actors that can make you just feel like you're them. So um, whenever you're watching a movie and you're so into it, or if you're in the historic building, I think is what you said, um, <laughs> yeah. the things that we love to do that, and time just goes by, that's time distortion. So if it feels like you're in there for 15 minutes, but it's been three hours, the cool thing is you only aged 15 minutes because it's your own perception of reality. It's your own perception of time. So anytime that you're in there, it's it's just a different heightened sense of like like absorbment of your reality and your senses that are involved in this experience that you're in. Hmm. So it's that time distortion that's created where you feel like you're there for 15 minutes, but it's been two hours. Like, whoa, uh, that, that was a lot of time that passed. Uh, that's because you're just in that in that experience so much that just time goes by. And then when we're out of it, we're like, wow, um, that's how much time went by. It's crazy. But yeah, so that's, that's what we call a time distortion. Hmm. That's super interesting. Now, Erin, you know, just with your story that you've shared both on this episode and the last episode about your mom, I, I think she, I, I really truly feel like she is with you and a present in our conversations. And she's, I also, it seems like she really gave you this gift to speak with others and to help others. With my mom's passing, I know that she's with me and she's given me that gift, or at least the guidance to be able to share this gift. And I know I feel it even more every time we have this conversation as well. When I, four years ago, sat down in meditation and meditated for an hour, I had this surge of energy go throughout my entire body. And it was just like this mystical type of love where I just became one with everything. I wasn't scared of anything anymore. I just came, became completely authentic with myself. Complete night and day shift for me. And that's when I was high off of life. And then I went through that process that I told you about going back into that memory. And because it always starts with a thought and if you want to know what you've been thinking about take a look at the results in your life and it could weigh heavy on some people because you think i created all this and there, there's some um dialogue context in that that we can dive into or anybody that's listening to this as well you can reach out to me the person that you're trying to become as always everybody's trying to reach a better version of themselves that version of yourself that you're trying to become holds the same attributes as that version of yourself before your first memory when you came onto this earth. Authenticity, love, and innocence. And when you tap back into that version of yourself, then you start to fall back in love with yourself and realize the power of you that you actually have and always will be. 
And as we, I'm going to say this too, as we grew up in the United States, there is some level of programming that we went through inside the United States to start to, we had to unlearn some of that to remember who we are because we're never trying to reach our actual self. We're just trying to remember who we are. And that's what I've been starting to find out for the past four years. And the reason why I bring it up is I feel like being on the patient side when my child was in the NICU and all my experience in the hospital as a provider, I've seen from both sides the chaplain services and the chapels. Um, And I think that what's common amongst it all is that sense of love and the sense of unity and the sense of a higher power, but also the love within it. And I think, you know, as a Christian, I kind of identify that as, you know, the Holy Spirit and God's love and all of that. And also, like, as a musician, I think of music coming in and out, like, with Bach, J- uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, for example. He was very, very religious and would say, behind every beautiful performance, God is present or just something like that. Um, so, yeah, curious on your thoughts. That's powerful. Very powerful because I always had that same in- outlook on that where um, each religion – that I believe that I've found so far because I, I did grow up Catholic and then I went Mormon mm. and then I started just church hopping. And one common theme that I started to find is that the outcome for each one is to love and be loved. And if that's the outcome for each one, then, you know, it makes sense that it has to be coming from um, the higher power or source, as I like to call it, God. And we're all one, which is amazing because I have Zoom calls doing healing sessions with nurses where they, when I'm doing it in my own body, they start to, that they start to have healing in their body from chronic knee pain for 15 years and then gone in seconds with some of the conscious language I use and then identifying everything that we talked about. So it just, when you are exposed to a lot of these teachings, that I feel or have seen and rediscovered that has been hidden, I feel, um, you start to realize that there is and always will be a higher power within us. Um, And some people, you know, relate that to the Holy Spirit. Some churches relate or religions relate to that to the Holy Spirit. Um, And I had this similar experience where, I don't know if you ever heard of any Reiki masters, um, but in the Mormon church, whenever they gave us like a patriarchal blessing, they would like put this, put, put their hands over our head and just close their eyes. And after practicing celibacy and not cussing everything in their religion, um, they are so pure, their energy is so pure that they can hold that, that uh, responsibility of sending a patriarchal blessing to somebody and then doing a prayer over them with the hand over, over my head without knowing any of my history. He starts mm. talking about my mom and her passing and all that. And I'm like, that was the first experience that I had, like maybe four years after my mom's passing. I was like, what was that? He obviously didn't know about my mom's passing. And he's 
just sharing everything that my mom was saying to me and it was just completely resonating and I just felt like this energy vibrating above my head so with each with each um, religion there the outcome is always to love and be loved and just blessings that I've always seen in my life so um, I absolutely uh, agree with what you said there. Powerful stuff, but I also, part of taking mental back roads is to give in to a higher power, give that, give my negative thoughts to God or have them go down a river, whatever that is that's helpful for you. But having that sense of, of peace, Gosh, when I first started writing a few years ago, like seriously writing on like the book and all of that of, of Two Mamas to Love, I saw a beautiful church that I took a picture of. I was visiting my brother at the time he was living in Wisconsin, and there's some beautiful Catholic churches there with architecture and all, and it rose high to the sky. And um, I took a picture of the steeple; it just looked kind of cool. And I looked at it later. And I thought about how we always think of, and we even say it, higher power. Uh, but at the same time, I I feel like when I need God the most, I almost feel like God is around us, whether that be nature or music or whatever that is, but not necessarily looking which, which looking up, there's nothing wrong with, and that's helpful for people. Um, but at the same time, I just thought that was an interesting perspective of breathing in and out, whatever that is, like being part, I guess being one, like you're saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely beautiful right there. Um, I love your platform, and I, I recently saw a quote on there which I love all your quotes that you put on there, but this one in particular struck a chord. And it said, or you said, true happiness comes from accepting the present without dependency on the future. Can you talk with us about that? Because I, I really thought that was powerful. Yeah, I was um, I was on, in New Orleans, there's a street called Bourbon Street, and uh, I was there and there's this guy, he was a hot dog guy. He's eventually going to come up with another name. Um, but he, he's very spiritually inclined and he shared with me that quote and it just opened my eyes because when, when we become fully present in the moment, let's say that a lot of people are trying to reach your goals and you, you do need to have an idea of what goals that you want to reach. So you come up with that idea in your head and, um, you, you let go of it, that idea. When you let go of that idea, you want to 100 and 110% truly believe it in a way where you could just be fully in the present moment and know that that's going to be taken care of. So it's just having that 1000% trust that you know that your future is going to be taken care of the way you want it to be. And when you have that trust, you can just let go of that future and just be fully in the present moment. It reminds me of Dr. Ron Siegel. And he had said that there's safety in the present moment, typically. And our fear is most of the time either ruminating about something or the anticipation of something, but usually in the present, there's safety. Yeah. And in the present moment, you get so excited about life again without always planning ahead because you get to meet people like you, Valerie. I've 
I know I put it in the podcast and that just came as an inspiration in podcast group, I believe I put it in and then we connected where when you're living in that present moment after having an idea of your future, then you let go of it. It's so beautiful because you'll meet people in your life. You'll be put into circumstances, more opportunities will rise and it just happens so effortlessly where things are just happening for you, which it always is because nothing happens to you. It always happens for you. Well, you can consciously do this, consciously be in the present moment and everything just, it's all about that um, co-creation with <clears throat> with um, our network. Mm, I love that. Yeah, totally agree. Like doors open when you kind of lean in to what, when you're in the moment, doors open that you didn't even know existed. So Erin, I know that you commonly work with nurses. Um and you have what you call a 21-day nurse challenge. Can you talk with us about that? Yeah, 21-day nurse challenge. I have a, a, a good friend of mine. She's a very powerful fitness expert. <clears throat> and um, I used to do training. However, um, you know, I'm really honing in on emotional regulation. So what we did was, since a lot of nurses experience a lot of burnouts, and when you experience a lot of burnout, we tend to go over to unhealthy habits like maybe overeating or then not sleeping enough is is becoming a, a challenge for a lot of nurses where whenever our body is feeling heavy from the food that we're eating and we're not utilizing our body in a way where we can express that energy as well with energy and motion or uh, emotional regulation. So what we did was uh, we wanted to have a nurse um, go into this program where they can exercise their body and then regulate their emotions. So that way, this entire program, the 21 day, will give them those habits that are very minimal that they can adopt because, you know, they're always busy. So we want to give them minimal effort or minimal effort with maximum results. So if everything starts and ends with a feeling, that's why I'm doing emotional regulation. And then we have a fitness expert. We paired that together where they're working on their physical body they're working on the emotions, which then when you work on your emotions, it automatically works with your thoughts. So you got the physical, the emotional, and then the thoughts. Mm. And then within these 21 days, they're going to be able to move their body in ways that um, they haven't moved in a long time. It's going to increase their melatonin, decrease. Well, first of all, it's going to decrease their cortisol levels. And then as a byproduct of that, the melatonin is going to go up so that way they can start sleeping better. They can feel rejuvenated. They can feel more energized. And then at the same time, too, we'll work with the emotions and then the thoughts as well, where I'm teaching them the, the processes that, that they can go through to regulate their emotions. And with that all combined, um, in 21 days, they're going to feel extremely rejuvenated. And um, it's going to really help reduce and eventually reverse burnout when they continue these practices. Mm. Uh, and then also... I have a guide on helping you identify it's a little diagram to help you know identify what feelings are showing up in your body so that way you can identify it and then the conscious language that you can use like I give myself permission to feel sadness and it's okay that you can use to help regulate it so that way you keep getting to the cause and just regulate it so that way it doesn't keep showing back up helping you reduce and reverse burnout. So I have those resources for them and um, I can definitely provide you those links. Absolutely. Yes. And I'll put all of that in our show notes because I, I feel like 
as nurses, but also as moms. Like, and I love how you have that, um, all that information for moms as well, because we just, we're in it together, you know, and, um, it's a beautiful journey, but also a chaotic one. I know. Um, and you, you also, you're a dad, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh Yeah. There's so much fun, but so much, so much. (laughs) Yeah. All of it. (laughs) So much sometimes, (laughs) especially when this past week we have had, um, blizzards. Oh yes. Snow, all sorts of cold. (laughs) So it sounds like a lot of the country has. (laughs) Um, well, Thank you so much, Erin. As we wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with today? Last thing I want to leave with the listeners is take some time and just hold space for yourself. And holding space for yourself will just start to reconnect with parts of yourself that you've been missing for a long time especially with mothers, you guys are amazing. And don't forget how amazing you are with everything that you do. With how busy it gets, with everything that you have to do at once, don't forget how amazing you are and how much um, your kids and your family absolutely love you. So don't forget that. So that's what I want to leave you with. Thank you so much, Aaron. You're welcome. I felt that too. Yeah. You deserve it. Thank you. And all of our listeners, you deserve it. Yes. Well, Aaron, I hope you have a wonderful day. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And be sure to check out all of Aaron's resources again on that will be on the show notes as well as episode 20. And also make sure to tune into our live Instagram that we will talk about and post about on social media as a follow-up to this episode. Amazing. Thank you for having me on, Valerie. Thank you, Aaron. Mm-hmm.